sometimes I watch a bit of the Antiques Roadshow, and like any of those shows, those antiques and auction shows, I tend to watch the very last part of it because, let's face it, all the rest is filler. It's the last part when you get to the bit that is decent and worth watching because on that show, it is the last part when they always have that one thing that is held back that is worth an absolute fortune. And why I watch that is not so much about the antiques, but about the people, their reactions, because you get two types of people. You get the people who go expecting to make a fortune, expecting that the thing that they're bringing along will be worth a vast sum of money, and then they discover that it's worth about 200 pounds, and they're trying to conceal the disappointment, play it cool, pretend that you know, they just thought that was the case all along. That's fine. Yep, no problem. It belongs to the family anyway. And then you get to the people, and they simply cannot conceal their excitement. As was the case, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, when a medal was worth a quarter of a million pounds. And when someone is told that, no matter how much of an actor they are, they tend to just nearly fall onto the ground in shock. And you can be sure that as they head home, they have a whole new appreciation for that thing. In understanding its value, they see that that item is special. I want you to know that the more time that we spend in God's Word, reading about and thinking about the church, then the more we will be able to see just how special the church is because understanding its value will change the way in which we look at the church. And so, what I want to say today is, people of Connor, love your church. You should love this church in the way that Jesus loves it. So, the reason why I say love the church is nothing to do with the minister or the elders or even maybe the legacy that some of us have here, looking back over generations who have belonged to this congregation, but love this church because Jesus really, truly loves this church. He loves these people who have trusted in Him and who belong to Him and who live out church life together. And yet, we live in a time when there is so much cynicism about the church, not least from some people who profess faith in Jesus. So that as, a, as I've gone through my ministry, I've met lots of people who have said to me that they trust in Jesus, but they don't have much time for the church. And I've heard people say things like, well, Philip, you know, I think that really at the end of the day, it's all about me and my relationship with the Lord. It's how I live out my relationship with Him that really matters. So, that's why I don't really bother with church. It's not for me. Or some people say to me, my, my church is actually my group of friends because they understand me. And, and to be honest, I'd rather spend time with them or some people tell me, church, well, worship of God can be done anywhere at any time in any place. So, for me on a Sunday, 
I can worship God just as much when I'm out on my bike or I'm out running or I'm out hiking or I'm out playing golf. That's my church. And to all of that, the American pastor Scotty Smith would say, saying I need Jesus but not the church is to say I need Jesus but not everything that Jesus says I need. Because the Lord Jesus, the Lord Himself, the Word of God tells us very simply that church is not an optional extra for God's people. God's people are the church. And when we need to be reminded of the value of the church, just how special it is, and why we should love the church, then the book of Ephesians is a really good place to go to on God's Word. Turn with me again in your Bibles, please, to Ephesians and particularly chapter 4. And this is a letter that is written to a church by a person that has a bearing on what we're looking at on Sundays at the moment as we look at the book of Acts. So, we have been thinking about Paul and his journey bringing the gospel to various places, and in a while, we'll see Paul arriving in Ephesus. And here in this letter, he's writing to the church of believers in Ephesus, and he's really telling them about themselves. He's telling them about the importance and the place of the church. And I honestly believe that if we understood the things that God is saying to us in His Word, the things that Paul is telling us here about the church, our whole attitude to the church would be completely changed. Because either side of the chapter that we were reading, Paul talks about the importance of the church. First of all, he talks about the purpose of the church back in chapter 3. And the purpose of the church, God's purpose for the church is absolutely mind-blowing. Look at what he tells us in Ephesians 3 verse 10. Paul explains that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, that verse might be hard for you to understand as you first read it, but let me try and unpack that verse. What Paul is saying here is completely amazing. He's saying that the purpose of the church is to show God's enemies and God's friends in a whole realm that is unseen by us and not fully understood by us, a spiritual realm, to tell all of these people how wise and great and powerful God is. That as God brings us together, as He brings us into relationship with Him and with one another through Jesus, that it is a visual aid. It's a bit like what we do in a children's talk. It is a visual aid showing those spiritual realms who God is and what He's like and what He can do. That we showcase to the world and to a world that is unseen, a realm that is unseen, the perfect wisdom of our God. And when we understand that that is why the church exists, well, that should change the way in which we think about the church. But not only that, then 
On the other side of this chapter we were reading from in Ephesians 5, Paul explains the identity of the church. And if we're in any doubt as to what God thinks about the church, it is cleared up by Paul in Ephesians 5. He's actually talking about marriage. And he's making the point that Christian marriage is a beautiful picture of the gospel, but that when people look at a married couple, they get a better understanding of what the gospel is like, the love that God has for His people, and the commitment that they should have to Him in Christ. And in the context of talking about that, Paul says this in verse 25 in Ephesians 5, commanding husbands, he says, husbands, love your wives. And then he explains why and the way in which they are to love. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. And when we come to understand that the church, and by the church, of course, we're not talking about the building, we're talking about the people who gather together, who have been saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, who love Jesus and follow Him. When we understand that the church is the bride that Christ gave His life for, then our attitude to the church is bound to change. And so, with that in mind, very briefly here in chapter 4, Paul tells us two important things about the church. And these things stand out from the attitudes that some of us tend to have and the attitudes that we encounter from many people today. The first thing that he says here in chapter 4 is that the church is about God's purposes and not our preferences that there's a much bigger picture going on in the church than what we want or what we desire. That when we understand the purpose of the church that's been outlined already, it will then lead to the kind of lifestyle within the church that Paul talks about in the opening verses of this chapter in verses 1 to 3. And in those opening verses, you'll see that Paul talks about calling. It's a reminder that this is much more to do with God than with us. It is His choice of us. It is His calling, His choosing of us. And now Paul tells us to live out this calling as a church. And he says in verse 2, if you look at verse 2 again, we are to do this with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. Well, I wonder, is that how this church looks? Would that be a description of life and fellowship within Connor? And the thing about Paul is he never calls other people or asks other people to do what he's unwilling to do himself. Paul is living this out. Back in verse 1, he describes himself as a prisoner for the Lord, and that's not a fancy picture. That is the reality for Paul in that moment. He's been imprisoned, chained to a guard because of his faith in Christ and his service to the church. You see, the church is about God's purposes. It's not about 
our preferences and the lifestyle that God calls us to here in verses 1 to 3, it runs against our culture and our time and our society. I think I've told you the story before about a friend of mine, a farmer friend of mine from my Island days who went up to see his daughter. He was giving his daughter a lift up to, to university in Belfast, and she took him out for coffee. And if you, like, I'm smiling as I think about this guy going into one of the, the trendy hipster coffee shops on the Lisburn Road, and he said he just wanted to get a cup of tea. So then when the, the person, the barista, asked him, what do you want? He said, I want a cup of tea. And then unleashed upon him were all of these jars of tea right the way across the counter. And there was this blend. And, there, and, and he said he was totally overwhelmed that when the person asked him, which tea would you like? He just said, I just want normal tea. To which the person said, ah, that'll be our Belfast blend. But we live in a society in which we are bombarded with choice. Not only when we walk into a coffee shop, everywhere we are conditioned to be consumers. And so we expect everything to be exactly the way we want it to be. And we begin to think in that way about the church. But the thing is, this church is not all about you. And it's certainly not all about me. It should be all about Him. It's all about Jesus. And often in my life and ministry in churches, I've noticed a revolving door where people come to a church, and if it suits them, and it meets all of their needs well and good, and if it doesn't, they'll just go elsewhere. But stick it out here in Connor, because this church it's not about your preferences and my preferences, the hymns or the songs that we sing, the instruments that we use, all of the things that you talk to me about when I come to see you. That's not the thing that's all important. It's about God's purposes being worked out in our lives together. And when we think about preference, it was not the preference of the Lord Jesus to go to the cross and to die for sinful people like you and me. In fact, the night before his death, Jesus prayed to his father, Father, if it is possible, take this cup. And what he's really saying is, take this mission, this job away from me. But yet, he continues, not my will, but yours be done. And so, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, and he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And so, taking our lead from him, we understand that the church is not just about what we want. It's not about our preferences. It's about God's purposes. And the other thing, and very quickly to finish, the church is about being participants and not passengers, as we see down in verse 12. And if you were to read the verses before that, in verses 10 and 11, Paul mentions there are a number of functions, a number of rules within the church that are given to particular people. 
who are gifted to perform those roles. And the purpose of this is clear, that all of these people are given these jobs to do in order, as Paul puts it in verse 12, to equip God's people for acts of service. So, ministers and elders and all of these people, they're not just in the church to scratch our backs and to, to make sure that we're… They're here to help us in turn to serve the Lord and to be productive and useful for Him, to be fruitful in our lives as disciples of Jesus. And what does that look like within the body of Christ? Well, Paul talks about acts of service, serving the Lord and serving one another. And the thing is, many of these acts of service are pretty unspectacular by the way in which the, the world looks at things. There are all kinds of acts of service that are being done in this church, and people don't even notice it. Maybe you're engaged in acts of service for which you're rarely ever thanked, and you feel a bit unappreciated, but God sees your service to Him. And in our X-factor culture, everyone wants a bit of the limelight. Increasingly, everyone wants to be more upfront. But that's not what the church is about. Do you see the things that you're doing within this church as acts of service? I remember in my home church in Westkirk, one of the elders, a man, Davy Irwin, and Davy's act of service was to shake people's hands. That's all it was. He stood on a Sunday morning, and when people came in, he went up, and with a smile, he put his hand out, and he welcomed them. And if he'd missed people, he came down through the church, and he walked up, and he just grabbed people by the hand, and shook their hand, and welcomed them, and took an interest in their life. And lots of people might say, well, so what? And it's not exactly rocket science, and it's not, but that was Davy's act of service, faithfully done for years and years as a disciple and an elder of Jesus Christ. And every one of us who has trusted in Christ, every one of us who has received this calling from the Lord by grace, and who are called to this life together has a part to play. And you might think that your age or some physical limitations or some other kinds of limitations in your life prohibit you from playing that part, but we all have a part to play. God has a purpose for you in this church. There are to be no passengers when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ. And so, as you worship and serve the Lord in this place, remember these two things from God's Word that will change your attitude to this church and to the people of this church around you. That when it comes to church, it is about God's purposes it's not about your preferences or my preferences. And that in the church, it's not a case of being passengers, but being participants.
and all for the glory of God, for reasons that are not even fully understood by us, a demonstration to to people that are unseen, realms that are unseen, showing God's wisdom and showing God's greatness and glorifying God in this world and in this universe. Amen.